0: Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit us at boroughcitychurch.com That's B-O-R-O, citychurch.com. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you please email us to let us know? You can email us at sermons at com. Thank you for listening. God, we come to you in this time, Father, thanking you for another day, thanking you for the opportunity God, to come together in a place where we can be safe. Father, come together around family, God, and come together to learn more about who you are. God, I pray that in this time, Father, you would make my name small on this stage. God, and your name big. Father, I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me during this time, Father, and that the people here who, who hear this message, God, I pray that they would hear it, God, and hear your truth in it, Father. So we ask these things in your son's name, amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. Huh? Hey, New Year. Ain't God good? Yes, he is. All right, look, there's a couple of things I want to let y'all know before I get started. Okay, one, I'm not the normal speaker who would be speaking here if this is your first time here. The normal speaker would be Trevor, the guy who just got off. But since it's a new year, we decided we might as well start with our best-looking speaker. Am I right? Amen. <laughs> hey, Amen. Let it be known. All right? So look. Also, I want you guys to know, look, if it was 28 degrees outside, I could go outside, do three jumping jacks, and I'd be sweating. These lights are bright. I might start sweating. And just in case, I do have a towel, okay? So hope that doesn't, you know, hope that doesn't take your attention off of me, but I'm definitely going to have to wipe my sweat, right? All right, so... Like Trevor said, my name is Tracy Bowler. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised. All right? Don't matter how long this sermon is, because we're going to eat afterwards, and the Titans didn't make the playoffs. So you have nothing to go home and watch anyway, right? Nothing at all. But, you know, born and raised in Nashville and was raised by a single mother. And she raised us. I, I have three brothers, one of which lives in Maryland, but my other two are here In attendance today, Justin and Alex, and my mom, man, she loved us. Man, she loved her three boys with all of her heart, right? My mom sacrificed everything for us. She sacrificed her free time. She sacrificed the jobs that she decided to pick. She sacrificed who she was with. Everything that she did, she did out of love for her three boys. Everything that she did, she did because she loved us. All of her decisions were dependent upon raising her boys to be men. Okay, my mom loved us with all of her heart. But with that love comes a little bit of crazy, okay? All right, I'm going to tell you guys, man, um, probably about eight or nine years ago, before I start this story, listen, I've been this size my whole life. I'm a big boy, okay? My mom, you can meet her after the sermon, all right? I want you to meet her. I want you to love all my family. But my mom is only about this tall, okay? She comes up to my chest. So she's not that big of a woman, I've been big my whole life. It'll make sense in a minute, all right? So about eight or nine years ago, we go out of town. I don't know what we were doing out of town. I don't remember if it was a family reunion or something, but we're staying at our uncle or somebody's house. I don't know. I'm upstairs with my two brothers, and I'm watching TV, okay? That's what I'm doing. I'm doing the right thing and watching TV. Justin and Alex, on the other hand, are acting a fool. Wrestling on the bed, messing up the bed sheets. They tear the bed to pieces, basically. So my mom hears it, and what she do? She come upstairs mad. She said, "All right, listen. That's it. Y'all are too loud up here. You're gonna sit down somewhere, and you're gonna just watch TV." And then she turns to me. She says, "TJ, that's what my family calls me. TJ, but y'all can call me Tracy. All right?" She turns. She says, "TJ, you fix the bed." I said, "Hold on, now." I- I was just watching TV. I'm not about to fix the bed. Justin and Alex can fix the bed. She said, no, you're the oldest, you fix the bed. I said, no, I'm not fixing this bed, all right? My mom walks up straight to my face. She's about up to my chest. She says, you fix this bed, right? She kind of jumped at me when she did it. Now, listen. This is why I made the biggest mistake of my entire life, Okay? true story. She jumps at me, so I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not scared. You know, you only this tall. So I jump back. (laughs) Biggest mistake of my entire life. Immediately, my mom's eyes go like this, all right? That's when I saw the crazy. She walks out of the room. She says, Charles, that's my grandfather. She says, Charles, you better come in here and get this boy before I... As soon as she says that, she walks right back in the room, looks me in my eyes, grabs me by my throat, Picks me up off of my feet, and chokeslammed me onto the bed, all right? No. But listen, on, on a serious note, my mom is too small, and I'm way too big for her to actually harm me, okay? My mom, my mom never, ever abused any of us growing up, okay? But my pride was hurt, you understand? I was hurt. I was on that bed terrified, right? Terrified, and, and then she just storms out of the room, and you know what I did as soon as she left? made that bed. You better better believe it. I made that bed. I made sure them sheets, no wrinkles, the pillows squared. I was, man, that bed ain't never looked that good ever. I'm telling you. And then you know what happens about an hour and a half later? I'm sitting in a room trying to think about my life. I don't know what I'm going to do. A woman just chokeslam me on the bed. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And then an hour and a half later, she says, TJ, get in here. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm in trouble again. I don't know what's about to happen. I walk in the room she turns to me. She said, give your mama a hug. I said, what? What? You just, you just chokeslam me. You want a hug? But, you know, of course, I gave my mama a hug because, man, I love my mama and she loves us. But with that love comes a little bit of crazy, all right? Now, I think that's what we're going to see today in our our scripture today. We're going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. Listen, if you don't have a Bible, it's fine. There's Bibles right back there in the left-hand corner. We would love for you to take them. They're free. Take it home, crack it open, and read God's word. But if you don't have a Bible, it's fine. We'll have the words up on the screen. We're starting down in Verse 13. And what it says, it says, if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that is the word of the Lord. My first point today is that, man, we should be motivated to love broken people sacrificially. All right, we should be motivated to love broken people sacrificially. If this is your first time at City Church, then you probably haven't heard our mission statement. All right, and our mission statement is that City Church exists to multiply gospel change for broken people on purpose. Well, you might say, okay, why is that the case? Well, if we go down to verse 14, verse 14 says, for Christ's love compels us. Right? It says it's like, that Christ's love controls us. We are controlled by the love of Christ. Now, where do we see Christ's love exemplified? Well, you, you see it on the cross. Okay? You see it in the fact that Jesus came down and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And then on the cross, he bore the weight of all of our sins. Right? Our past, our present, and our future sins. He took all of that on the cross and died that death for us. Okay, so on that cross where he, he dies for our sins, that love is shown that, that God loves us so much that he won't just let us be away from him, but he sends his son to die for us so that he can bring us into his family, okay? And so if, as we continue reading verse 14 and 15, it says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. It says that we shouldn't live for ourselves, right? But that's that's different from what the world says. That's different from the society we live in. We live in a me-centered world, right? When I was growing up, it was all about, look, I'm going to make it to the NFL, or I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to do something so I can get all the money I can get, and then I can help other people. But not until I have my millions or I have all this money here, then I can help other people, but I'm gonna get mine first, right? We live in a me-centered society and I think that's why we love to see sacrifice, right? We love to see sacrifice because we don't see it in our everyday lives. We love to see stories of a racer running a race and somebody falls behind them and instead of finishing the race, they turn around and pick that person up and carry them across the finish line. Right, That's why our favorite movies are movies where heroes sacrifice themselves for the fate of the world or for other people. We see sacrifice and it means so much to us because it's something that we don't see every day. But where we will always see sacrifice is in the life of Christ. Okay, In Mark chapter 10 verse 45, it says that for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, what I want to do is I want to paint a picture for you guys. Alright, I'm gonna paint a picture, so I need everybody to close your eyes. Everybody just close your eyes. I'm gonna give you three things that I want you to visualize. Alright? The first thing I want you to visualize is I want you to visualize riding in a limo. Okay? Could be a stretch limo, Hummer limo, could be that limo out there in the parking lot, hopefully not. <laughs> uh, but just visualize riding in a limo, okay? All right, now that you've done that, I want you to visualize maid service, right? What does maid service look like? Now, that could be in your house or maybe a dream house. It doesn't matter. Just visualize maid service. All right. Now, I want you to visualize breakfast in bed. Mm. Get you some sausage, a little bacon, some eggs. If you ain't got Frank's Red Hot, you're not eating them eggs the right way, right? got some apple juice. All right. Everybody open your eyes. Now, I have a question. When I said visualize riding in a limo, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you guys were driving the limo? <laughs> okay. When I said maid service, how many of you guys were the one cleaning somebody else's house? I bet none of you. Is your house being cleaned. What about uh, when I said breakfast in bed, were you receiving it or were you giving it to somebody else? You see, I think that that shows us that we all lean towards being served, right? When we visualize those things, you're not driving a limo, you're riding in the back. Somebody's serving you. When you think about maid service, you're not cleaning the house, it's your house being cleaned, you're being served. When you think about breakfast and bed, I'm not giving it to somebody, my wife's bringing it to me, right? I want to be served. We live to be served. But that's not what Jesus, okay, as we just read in Mark 10, 45, Jesus, who is God, Right, Jesus, who is God, the only person in the world who deserves to be served, came down to this earth not to be served, but to serve others. Wow, that's, right. that's how we should live. That's what our life should look like if we're controlled and compelled by the love of Christ, because Jesus came to this earth not to be served, but to serve others. I mean, that's why, as a church, we're at Bradley Academy. I mean... I work at Bradley Academy, and there's not people lining up at the doors to help serve a school. No. But here at City Church, we are serving in Bradley Academy because we are compelled by the love of Christ, right? And, and sure, you might think, oh, well, you know, they got teachers. That's all you need. Yeah, the teachers and staff at Bradley are amazing, period. I mean, I work, I'm on the staff, so we're amazing. <laughs> you understand? Know we're great. But it takes a village to raise a child, right? It takes a bunch of people coming together and loving people sacrificially. Because Bradley is chock full of people who need to be loved and broken people who need to be loved sacrificially. Now, what I don't want you to hear me say is that, oh, well, he said we gotta love Bradley and that's the only place we can find broken people. That's not the case. Everybody here is broken, I'm broken. All right, a broken person is someone who is affected by sin and all of us are affected by sin. So when I say we should be motivated to love broken people sacrificially, I'm saying you should be motivated to love the person to your left and to your right. I'm saying you should be motivated to love your neighbors, love your coworkers. It's not just Bradley Academy, but this Bradley Academy is an opportunity that was given us to to us by the Lord where we should be loving people sacrificially, but not just there. We should love everybody sacrificially we are all broken people and therefore we all need to be sacrificially loved my second point my second point is that reconciliation to god creates new life and a new family all right let's read in verses 17 through 18 it says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old is gone the new has come All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, you may read verse 17 and say, well, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, I would tell you to turn to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. And what it says there, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So what it means to be in Christ is it means that you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, okay? And what does verse 17 say about that? Well, it says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That confession is And believing it in your heart means that you're in Christ. And to be in Christ means you're a new creation. You receive new life. Now, I know some of you may think this, and I've thought this before, and especially around this time of year, you know, new year, new me, you know what I'm saying? Let's turn over a new leaf, right? Some people say, well, Christianity is just about turning over a new leaf. You just got to change things up and do things a different way. That's not the truth. Right? Christianity is not about turning over a new leaf. Christianity is about receiving a new life. Right? I don't, I don't think y'all heard me. I'll say it again. Look, Christianity is not about turning over a new leaf. It's about receiving a new life. You know that, that, that term, turning over a new leaf, that started in about the 15th, 16th century, right? And, and what it meant at that time was that books, the pages in a book were known as leaves, So as an author was writing on the leaf, he would turn the leaf over and it'd be a blank page, right? But the problem with that is, is that if you turn that page right back over, the words are still written there. When you try to turn over a new leaf in your life, guess what? The things you did are still there. You turn that leaf back over, your life, the struggles that you've had are still there. So isn't it a good thing that Christianity is not about turning over a new leaf? It's about receiving a new life. If you go to God and say, hey, God, I turned over a new leaf, right? I turned over a new leaf. I'm good. He's going to say, no, those sins were not paid for. Your sins were not paid for. But when you believe in Christ and believe what he did on that cross, those sins are paid for. That page is wiped away and covered in the blood of Christ. Your sins are wiped away and covered in the blood of Christ. You don't turn over a new leaf. You receive a new book. Okay, you get a new life when you believe in who Christ is and what he did on the cross. So Christianity is not about turning over that new leaf. It's about receiving a new life. And you know what you get with a new life? You get a new family. All right? Let's read what verse 18 says. Verse 18, it says that all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Us. Not just me to himself, but us to himself. Right? The church isn't like family. The church is family. Period. Period. The church isn't like a family, it is family. Throughout all the scripture, you see that God is called our father, right? God is our father. Now listen, I understand that there are probably some of you in here who, when you hear God referred to as a father, it's hard for you to hear. Because when you hear the word father, all you can think about is your worldly father. And believe me, I connect with you. I understand what that feels like. But I want to tell you that God thankfully, is not anything like your worldly father. The best father in this world pales in comparison to God, period. God is a father who unconditionally loves you. God is a father who unconditionally pursues you. That means regardless of what you do and how you live, God is going to continue to love you and pursue you. And all he wants you to do is love him back because he knows that that's where your joy will be found. Your joy will be found in loving him. And the more you love him, the more you love the things that he loves and hate the things that he hates. Let's continue reading in, 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 in Verse 18. It says that all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what does that mean, right? When we become that family, and look, God is our father and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is family, right? And when we join this family, God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Well, that means that we grow this family. It's not to just stay here and stay put with you joining a family. You take that family and give it to other people, right? You bring other people into that family. It's interesting to me how often, let's say somebody finds a diet and they, they lose 10 pounds. What's the first thing they're going to do? Run and tell everybody else. But when it comes to God, we don't do that. We're silent, right? We, we get a diet that works and we run and tell everybody, but then with God, whose truth is your salvation and changes your eternity, we're silent. It shouldn't be that way, right? We are given the ministry of making this family grow. Now, I don't want you guys to hear me say family and just think, well, shoot, if I just join the family, life gets easier. Life is so much easier. No, we all know that family doesn't necessarily make life easier. I was choke slam, (laughs) Okay. That's not what it means to be in God's family. You're not going to find that life gets easier. But what I can tell you, from my personal experience, and there are many people in this room who you can ask them and will tell you the same thing, joining God's family, that means that you'll find, especially here at City Church, especially here, you'll find people who unconditionally love and care for you, even if that means that sometimes you need to be chokeslammed. Now, Listen. I've said chokeslam a couple of times. I'm not expecting y'all to start running around. <laughs> Tracy said chokeslam. <laughs> Boom, chokeslam. Yeah, I'm not trying to create the WWE, all right? but I am saying is that you'll find a family that loves you, even if that means sometimes they got to tell you a hard truth. Even if that means sometimes what they say might hurt you, right? If a child was standing in the middle of a street and an 18-wheeler was running down the road, you're not going to stop and think, hmm, how can I just pick you up And put you over here. No, you're going to yank that kid. Even if they get scratches and bruises, you save their life. That's what the family is going to do. Even if it means sometimes you get scratches and bruises, it's to save your life, to turn you away from sin. Right? That's what you receive in this family. My third point. My third point is that our reconciliation comes through Christ. Right? Let's read verse 21. It says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, it created a chasm between man and God. Sin created a chasm between man and God. And there was no way across this chasm at all because sin separated us. But God didn't leave it that way, okay? That's that's the beauty of it. God doesn't leave the chasm here. No, he sends Jesus, being fully man and fully God, to live a perfect life. Jesus lived a life that we can't live. And then on the cross, he died the death that all of us deserve. And when he died the death that all of us deserve, he didn't stay dead he rose from the dead. And in him rising from the dead, he defeated death. What does that mean for you? Sin that wraps you in chains no longer has hold over you. Because Jesus came back from the dead, we receive victory from our sins. We are free from those sins when we accept that he died for us and is our Lord and Savior. Right? We have freedom from those sins. So... There was a gap, a chasm that couldn't be crossed, and Jesus stands in the gap. Jesus is the only way to the Father, period, because he lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve. I'll close our time with this. I know that there may be some people in here who, when I say family, it, it brings pain to mind, right? When I, say, when I say family, you think about your family, and your family's broken, or your family has brought pain into your life, right? Well, I would tell you to comfort you in that. That's not what you'll find in God's family. That's not what you find in a new life with Christ, okay? Because if we look right here in verse 16, verse 16, it says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. You see, with a new life, you receive a new vision, a new outlook on life. We don't regard anyone in a worldly point of view. That means that in God's family, it's the same as with God. You, you, you're, the love that these people have for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on what you can do or can't do for them. It's based on the fact that Jesus died 2,000 plus years ago, and that will never change. Therefore, that love is always constant. Right? Right? But there, there also may be some of you here who, uh, you, you come and you say, "Well, look, I've had I've had bad experiences with churches before. I've been I've been hurt by a couple of churches. I can connect with that too. I've gone I've had some bad church experiences." But to you, I want to tell you and encourage you with the fact that don't let those prior experiences withhold you from experiencing the love of Christ. Don't let what happened in the past in a different place withhold you from experiencing eternal life with God. Okay, don't let that, that stuff that's happened in the past keep you from knowing God and growing your relationship with him. Finally, there may be some people here who, like I said, it's, it's, it's a new year. So new year, new me. I'm gonna start going to church. And the reason that you decided to come to church today was because, well, last year you made some decisions that you're not too proud of, right? You did some things that you're not too proud of, so you decided to come to church and turn over a new leaf. Well, to you I would say, look, you can't turn over a new leaf today. But what I do offer you is that what you can do is receive a new life, right? What you can do is believe in Christ and in Christ receive a new life, all right? And and with that new life, you're going to need a new family because I'm going to tell you, there's 359 days left in the year, plenty of time for you to make some more mistakes, right? And you will. You're going to mess up this year. But with that new life and that new family, why you need that family is because you're going to need people throughout this year who will give you a hug when you need it and maybe choke slam slam you when you need it. (laughs) right? You're going to need that this year. And then with that, when you realize that there's a family looking after you, you no longer have to live for yourself, which means then you will love broken people sacrificially because you're not focused on yourself. Your family is focused on you, so you don't have to worry about yourself. You don't have to worry about yourself. And, and, and that's what I want you to receive today, is to receive that new life, all right? I'll pray for us. God, we come before you once again thanking you for this time. Father, we come before you once again thanking you for the opportunity, God, to wake up this morning, Father, and come into a place where we can worship and laugh and enjoy time in your word, Father, and enjoy some great food later as well. God, we come to you thanking you for the life that your son lived on the cross for us. Thanking you for the life that he lived that we could not live and the death that he died that we deserve and the fact that he was resurrected, God, so that we receive victory over our sins. Father, we thank you so much for this church. God, we thank you so much for Bradley Academy, God, and what the the teachers there are doing in the neighborhood through the lives of the children that they touch every day. Father, I I thank you so much for all that you continue to do in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would continue as we leave this place, God, to let this message go with us, God, that, that we are family in you, Father, and that this family is better than anything that we could ever imagine. Father, that you would let that message go with us throughout this week, that it wouldn't just be as soon as we leave we forget it, God, but that it would stay with us throughout this week. God, I pray that you would continue to pursue us and continue to be faithful as you always are. God, and we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.